0: My name is Diana and I serve as volunteer coordinator for the Day of Hope in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Come this day to rule among us, holy God, as you lit the altar fires of the prophets Light a fire in our midst that will turn our hearts to your truth and energize our lives for your service. Awaken us from easy conformity to the norms of our society so we may encounter the gospel with fresh integrity. Grant us faith that expects great things from you and dares great things for you. Amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
1: Please stand for the responsive call to worship. In a world filled with violence and war, we
2: gather to celebrate the promise of peace.
1: In a world filled with tyranny and oppression, we gather to celebrate the promise of justice for all. In a world filled with hunger and greed, Our hope is in the name of the Almighty God.
3: Would you agree with me that sometimes it's hard to look deeply within our hearts, to examine our thoughts and our actions, and to assess our motivations? We need the Holy Spirit to bring to light the things in our lives that disappoint and dishonor our Lord. We need his help to follow him with integrity, to obey his commandments, to grow his fruit, and to walk in ways that honor his name so in that spirit let us seek his mercy and forgiveness and confess our sins to the lord god of all people forgive us for claiming to be christians when our faith is so shallow and our good works so limited we have not dared to trust you fully we have not expected your promises to be fulfilled among us. We have not accepted the freedom that is ours in Christ Jesus. Instead, we have guarded our own interests, relied on limited understandings and lingering doubts, reigned in our emotions, and settled for a lukewarm relationship that we do little to cultivate. Oh God, forgive us and draw us closer to you in jesus name amen brothers and sisters our god never fails to hear us when we call to him when we trust in his forgiveness and unfailing love we will be at peace for he rescues us from all that might assail us and gives us refuge in him so remember this in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Oh. uh, glorious day in which we remember those who were fallen and we pray that the world might be better let us share our faith together as Christians around the world in the form of the Apostles Creed I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ his only Son our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Ghost born of the Virgin Mary Suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us take a moment to greet one another in Christian fellowship. Okay.
1: Thank you, that's trickier than it looks to get the timing just right so you don't have to sing up here while you're waiting to make the announcements. I'm Laurie Haas, I'm the Executive Director of Ministries here at Church of the Palms, and Pastor Steve is enjoying a long weekend with his wife. He'll be back in the office on Tuesday. If you would take the red friendship pads and sign them and pass them down the row, and please, when you pass them back, keep them open so you can see who might be sitting in your row You can call them by name, put a face with a name, offer to buy them a cup of coffee under the tree, and you know what I mean. (laughs) While you're under the tree, there's an opportunity to sign up for two awesome events for children. For Vacation Bible School, we expect to have about 150 kids. There's all kinds of ways you can volunteer. And for Day of Hope, we expect to have 250 kids and their families. We not only need 300 volunteers plus, we also need more money because each child costs us $100 to sponsor. And you know that is such a great event because it helps these kids start the first day of school on an even playing field. So if you would check under the tree for more information on that. If you receive our weekly e-blast, you will already have seen the announcement that Megan Mooney, our worship leader in the garden, is feeling called to a new chapter of life and she is resigning her position there. It makes us sad, but we are so grateful that God calls us in all areas of life. Uh, We would like to celebrate her ministry on the last Sunday in June, which is June 26th. So please keep Megan in your prayers as she starts this next chapter. Um, on page seven of your bulletin, and in the newest Connect magazine that you will get as you leave the sanctuary today, you will find all kinds of information about our new Family Life Center. We are on our way and it is so exciting, so make sure you look at all of that information. And finally, all greeters from the sanctuary, from the garden, the yellow umbrella greeters, next Sunday in the music room, we wanna have a special reception just for you. Hospitality is so important in the life of the church, and we just want to do a special thanks for all of those people who do that for us week in and week out. Let us continue our worship.
4: Let us pray. Our most loving and gracious God, we thank you for all the gifts of grace out of which you have woven our lives. We thank you for creating us and placing us in a world of such beauty and opportunity. We thank you for the story of your calling and loving a people and for your extending that story to include all of us. We thank you for the word made flesh in Jesus, your incarnate grace, and our loving Savior. We give you thanks for those were the church before us and for those who are the church with us today. We thank you, O God, on this Memorial Day weekend. We remember especially those who have risked and lost their lives for our freedom, and we give you thanks for them. May the memory of their sacrifice never be lost, we pray. Bless those in the service today, keep them safe and bring them safely home, we pray. Be with and bless us as a church. Gracious God, heal those who are sick, comfort those who are mourning for their loved ones, and give your peace to those who are getting ready to come home to you. Help us to be channels of your grace for all those we need and in need. Now we bring our prayers to you in the name of our Lord Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us take this privilege to give back to God in through the offerings and tithings of ours.
5: Songs we love to sing, have freedom sleep.
4: let us pray most loving and generous God we give you thanks for all the blessings that we have received from you beginning with our lives and freedom and all that we need and want every day in this moment in worship we pray that you'll accept our gratitude showing in these offerings for we offer them to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ amen Please be seated as Carol and our children come forward for a children's moment.
6: (laughs) Oh, Oh, yay! Hi there, sis. (laughs) Okay, guys, I want to tell you a story that comes from the Bible. And I might need your help telling the story a little bit. It is, um, Jesus told this as a parable. And, oh, look, here comes the main character right now. Who do you think this guy is? What does he look like? Sam. Shepherd. He's a shepherd, right. And he looks like he's looking for something. He, he looks like he might be lost or something's lost. Anyway, what do you think he's looking for? What? A sheep, a sheep right? Okay. Um, so, He's looking for something that's lost. He's looking for a sheep. So a shepherd's job is to take care of sheep and they're not always his sheep, but he loves them like they're his own children. So this shepherd had to take care of a hundred sheep and he takes care of them. His job is to look for over them over all the day and even through the nighttime. And so he was gathering up his sheep and he was counting them, counting them, 98, 99, he noticed one's missing. One was I'm sure he counted it over and over. But he realized that if one was lost, he would need to go out and find that sheep in the dark and bring it home. Do you think he said, Hmm, I got 99 in the pen. Who needs that last one? I'll go, it's, I'm tired. It's dark out there. I don't Do you think that's what he said? No, he didn't. He went out and found the sheep. And when he found the sheep, Oh, look! And when he found the sheep, he was happy. And he put the sheep on his shoulders, and he celebrated, right? Has, I want to ask you something. <laughs> Has any one of you guys ever been lost? Have you ever been lost to him? Yeah? What does that feel like? It's kind of scary, isn't it? You feel alone? Well, Jesus tells us that we're like sheep, and sometimes we just stray away and get lost. Um, you know that if we get lost, someone is always looking for us, right? We get lost in the supermarket. Somebody's going to call somebody. Or What happens if you lose your pet? You go out and you look for them because we care for them. Sometimes we even ask our neighbors or put signs up. Well, Jesus tells us that we are like sheep. And if you're a sheep and I'm a sheep, and you're a sheep and he's a sheep and we're all sheep and everyone in the whole world is a sheep who does that make our shepherd god. god that's right god says jesus is our good shepherd and he is always looking to help us find our way home to him will you pray with me dear god thank you for sending jesus the good shepherd who watches over us and keeps us on a straight path, and is always seeking to bring us home. We love you. Amen.
1: may be seated. Our scripture passage comes from Luke chapter 7 verses 1 through 10. After Jesus had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion there had a slave whom he valued highly and who was ill and close to death. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him asking Jesus to come and heal his slave. When they came to Jesus, they appealed to him earnestly, saying, He is worthy of having you do this for him, for he loves our people, and it is he who built our synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them. But when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but only speak the word And let my servant be healed. For I am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to my slave, do this. And the slave does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, open our hearts and minds to hear your voice from the words just read and the words to come. Amen. We had a great family dog. She was a black Labrador named Sam. Sam was fiercely loyal and protective, yet so gentle she could retrieve a balloon in her mouth and not pop it. When I was a little girl, she'd even allow me to put my tiny hands into her dog food bowl as she was woofing down her food. Now, why my parents would let me eat dog food that I supposedly loved is for another sermon and perhaps even for counseling. Sam was a great watchdog and basically kept our yard free of all unwanted animals and strangers. She had one awesome party trick that seemed to delight my family. When someone pulled up to our driveway, Sam started barking, which sounded like she meant business. She would stay right beside my dad and me, but if she didn't know the person who was walking towards us, you could actually see the hair standing up on the back of her neck as she was barking. The smart traveler never took his eyes off of Sam. If the person was a friend of my dad's or some unsuspecting teenage boy, my dad could hardly wait to give Sam the word. Dad would yell, CHARGE! <laughs> Which sent that visitor sprinting back to his car as fast as he could. For Sam, the command meant to lie down. So she dropped to our feet, knowing that wouldn't—that we wouldn't be needing her this time. The power of a word. Like you, I have heard and spoken many words in my lifetime. I read that women speak 20,000 words a day as compared to men who utter (laughs) 7,000. A male professor of psychology at the University of Arizona named Matthias Mail actually denies that claim. He says that the chatty female and the silent male are recognizable archetypes, but there are no studies in existence that validate that claim or that showed that women actually spoke more than men. In fact, the subjects that talked the most, and also the ones who talked the least, happened to be men. I don't know how it is for you in your home, but my husband lives with one wife and five daughters. Six women. We aren't counting words or anything, but let's just say there's rarely a quiet moment. But maybe counting the words is focusing on the wrong thing. Perhaps it's not how much we say, but it's what we say, and ultimately, what our words say about us. You see, words have power, power to build up, and power to destroy without even physically touching someone. In the book, How Full Is Your Bucket?, the author's Tom Rath, and his grandfather, Donald Clifton, shared a case study about American prisoners of war in the Korean War. These American soldiers were detained POW in, in POW camps that weren't particularly cruel or unusual. They had adequate food, water, and shelter. They were not subjected to common torture techniques of those times, like bamboo shoots up the fingernails. Yet, 38% of the prisoners died in those camps, the highest death rate in all of U.S. military history. You see, the North Koreans used words to systematically erode the prisoners' emotional support and to destroy their hope. And they did this in four ways. First, they encouraged words that informed. The captors gave rewards for snitching on each other but nothing ever happened to the person who was snitched on. So this just broke relationships and helped the men to turn against one another. Second, they had group sessions where only words of self-criticism were allowed. The men had to confess all the bad things that they had done, as well as all the good things that they could have done but didn't. This eroded the care, trust, respect, and social acceptance among the American soldiers. Third, they encouraged words of disrespect and insolence to break their loyalty to leadership and country. One time, a colonel advised a soldier to not drink the water from that rice paddy field because he knew it had organisms in it that might kill him. The soldier said, I don't have to listen to you. You're not a colonel anymore. You're just a lousy prisoner like me. You take care of yourself, I'll take care of me. The soldier died of dysentery a few days later. Finally, the captors withheld all positive words of support from home, but they gave them all the negative words. For example, if a prisoner received a supportive letter from home, the captors withheld it. All negative letters were given to the prisoners, things like a relative dying, or overdue bills that say they're going to lose their house, Or a wife who had given up hope that he was even alive, so she writes that she's remarrying. The highest death rate in military history, the power of a word. In our scripture lesson from today, of course, we're reminded again how Jesus can use the power of a word without a physical touch to actually save a life. But what's curious to me is that the word actually came from the enemy. A centurion is a powerful Roman soldier. His rank was the equivalent of a regimental sergeant major. Now, for those of us without military experience, he was like 11 ranks up from the bottom, two down from the top in an army ranking. This guy had power. Centurions were the backbone of the Roman army. the roman army spent a good deal of time oppressing and persecuting both jews and christians in the new testament they were the enemy but in the verses leading up to the encounter with the centurion jesus had just been teaching on loving our enemies he also taught to be merciful just as your father is merciful do not judge forgive one another hear my words and act on them and now Luke tells us that Jesus has the opportunity to put his own words into action. This Roman soldier sends a few Jewish elders to ask Jesus for some help. Well, first of all, I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I really wanna help the enemy. I guess if I had just preached on it like Jesus had, I should probably try to act on it. And of course, that's exactly what Jesus did. And what is the request from this enemy? For Jesus to come and heal the centurion slave whom he highly valued. We gotta stop right here. We have to understand something about slavery in this culture if we're gonna get to the nature of this request. In Roman law, a slave was defined as a living tool. He had no rights. A master could beat him and even kill him if he chose. A Roman writer on estate management recommends the farmer to examine his implements every year and to throw out those which are old and broken and to do the same with his slaves. So for this centurion to use his position of power and his words to heal a mere slave says something about him as a person. This reminds me of the movie Schindler's List. Has anyone seen Schindler's List? You know, it was an award-winning masterpiece by Steven Spielberg made in 1993. It's based on the life of Oskar Schindler, who was a greedy, broken, self-absorbed German businessman in Nazi Germany. He discovered a way to get rich by using the displaced Jews in Poland as his slave labor in an enamelware factory. The most powerful word in this time was one's name, on a list. If one's name wasn't on the essentials skills list, he or she would be shipped in a cattle car to their death. Schindler's first recruit for his pots and pans factory was an intelligent accountant with a heart of gold named Istok Stern. Stern recruits Jews from the list considered not essential, you know, teachers and musicians. Schindler became wealthy, but somewhere along the line, his eyes were opened to the lives of people, real people like you and me who have children and grandchildren, who had hopes and dreams, real people who had value. Just like the centurion, Schindler now has compassion and love for people who had been cast into the role of slave. Oscar Schindler used his resources to create a list of 1,200 words. Each word was a name. Each word had power. Each word gave a life. Schindler used all of his money to buy each Jew their life to go to his new factory rather than to the death camp. The power of a word. I think we all know that words have power to destroy, like in the Korean POW camp, and that powers, that words have the power to give life, like the words on Schindler's List. But I think this message, this passage, shows us who truly has the power, both here and forever. The centurion was a powerful man, and people did what he told them to do. But he didn't have the power to save his servant in this world, let alone in the next. What the centurion had, though, was a faith in the one who does have the power. He said, Jesus, speak the word and my servant will be healed. The centurion knew that Jesus alone had the power to give life. In the Gospel of John, Peter asked, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. On this Memorial weekend, I imagine that most of us will pause to give thanks to God for the men and women who died while serving our country. This act of remembering often takes us to the cemetery of other friends and family members whose only uniform may have been an apron or a pair of coveralls. And while we mourn our loss on earth, we know that death is not the final word. The power of a word Listen to the passage from John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. What if every word we choose points to a faith that we have in the word Jesus Christ? The power of our words bathed in love, pointing to the one who is the word and who has the words of eternal life. I want to conclude with a story from a book with just two little words in its title, it's called let's roll the author lisa beamer was a mother of two young boys and pregnant with her daughter when her husband boarded united flight 93 on september 11 2001 in in their young family the words let's roll Let's put our shoes on, let's head to the door, let's go out on another adventure. Let's go out and do what we need to do. Let's go out and do what we need to do. So when these words were recorded on that fateful flight, Lisa knew her husband, Todd, was gonna do whatever he needed to do to try to save the lives of those on that airplane so they could all return home to their families. Now we all know that Todd and his newfound friends weren't able to stop the terrorists from crashing the plane, but they did save the lives of countless people by diverting the jet so it didn't crash into the White House or the Capitol. Instead, it went down in an open field in Pennsylvania. Lisa contrasted the two memorial services she attended for her husband. The memorial service in the field for all of the victims was filled with encouraging words about how they aren't alone, how we will always remember their family, but there was virtually no reference to the power of God to sustain them. It struck Lisa how hopeless the world is when God is factored out of the equation. Lisa's brother said it was heart-wrenching to see people grieving without hope. At Todd's memorial service in his church on the day before, of course there was sadness and sorrow, but there was also joy. Because as Christians, we mourn, but not as those who have no hope. We know who has the final word. Todd's grieving Father David offered a prayer that is worth repeating for us today. He prayed, Almighty God, thank you for Todd Beamer. Thank you again for your precious gift, your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Heavenly Father, I have known what that meant, but it is only in these recent days that I have a little more understanding of how it felt. I thank you so much that our son, Todd, has the promise of eternity because of the gift of your son. Also, we pray, Heavenly Father, that Todd's witness and his actions can be used to your glory in the things that matter most. Friends, we may not be powerful military leaders like the Centurion or a wealthy businessman like Oscar Schindler, but we all have a circle of influence. Our words have power to help or to hurt, but when our words reflect our faith, In the one who has the power of eternal life, we shine a light in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and fill you with his light to take into the darkness this day, now, and forever. Amen.